Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Ellie was recorded on January 6th, 2022. Well, thank you very much. And hello, everyone. I'm, I'm very grateful to be back. I spoke, I don't know, maybe right before Thanksgiving the last time and uh, on feelings. You may remember that. Uh, but I'm very happy to be back today. And I'm speaking about boundaries today, um, and I'll just share a little bit about my my background. So I am uh, a, a longtime member of uh, ACA, and I always like to say it is it is quality of program, certainly not quantity, and it takes a lot of hard work. And uh, I am grateful to look in the rearview mirror of my life and see that through bravery and strength and support and hard work that I am in a much better place today than I have ever been in my life before. Uh, I started, um, I grew up in an alcoholic home with an alcoholic dad. I, uh, some of you who have heard me before may have heard me um, say that my dad was uh, like Jackie Gleason, for those of us who are a little older on the uh, on the screen uh, from the Honeymooners, a show he used to be on, Jackie Gleason. And my dad was very much looked like that, sounded like that when he was easily angered. And uh, my father was just that megaphone of a man in every way, uh, in stature and in volume and voice. And um, the... the uh, the way of our home was one of uh, always a cross of boundaries, um, just simply by how my father presented himself. That was a loss of uh, a crossover of boundaries. Uh, I My dad got sober when I was 12 and I joined Alateen. I was one of the fortunate ones for kids of alcoholics who I was able to join Alateen and, and that worked, I'm 63, that was back in 70, 70, 1970, I guess. And um, so that was a long time ago. And I went in from uh, Alateen to Elanon. There was no ACA back in those days. Uh, I did go to some ACA meetings when it first came out in the city of Chicago and there were super angry meetings all the time. We didn't have any anything to go on. Uh, but the 12 steps of AA, which were wonderful, um, but ACA needed to have their own, their own, which we like we have today. And I went into ACA and um, really uh, moved out of the area, went into, uh, um, I live in a town called Mundelein, which is uh, about 40 minutes east uh, or west rather of Chicago. And um, I co-founded a group in Libertyville. 34 years ago, ACA group, and have been a regular ever since. And uh, really, I would have to say that uh, the thread, uh, and I married, I taught school for a special ed for many years, I retired a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago from teaching, loved the kids, and uh, retired when the pandemic hit. And um, 
married. I've been married for 37 years, and uh, we have six children, three girls, three boys, ranging in age from 19 up to 36. And I'm a new grandmother, first time, one little boy. And I have to say that, you know, given you all this information and everything that's happened in my life and the things that I have done, um, the thread of dysfunction that I have fought with um, through my life has been a boundary. Uh, The boundaries has been a thread of dysfunction that I have had to constantly feel like I really had to stay on top of. Um, interesting enough, I couldn't stay on top of it uh, for many years because I didn't know it was a problem. I didn't know what that meant when someone would say, well, you're crossing a boundary um, or I would just feel uncomfortable. And I didn't know why I was feeling uncomfortable. Like what, what is this feeling inside of me that is uh, of trauma, of difficulty? What, what is that about? Um, I came to know that it was called uh, crossing boundaries and not having a sense of that. And so I'd like to just share a little bit about that. So again, growing up in the alcoholic family, there was not something um, that was a respecter of boundaries in my home that was not part of how my family lived. Uh, looking at that now, I certainly can understand why there were not was not a sense of boundaries, why they were they were cross all the time. It was because there was so much dysfunction in my household. My my dad with the alcoholism, my mother with the insane um, craziness that uh, she, she had to live with, wondering where the next paycheck was going to come from and how she was going to feed four young children and all those things and. Um, my dad lost a couple architectural businesses, and I can't imagine having that that kind of a life and trying to raise children. And um, and what I've come to realize and recognize through the years is that boundaries is something that um, I, I could understand as I started to feel a, a sense of control in my own life um, up to uh, um, so many years of my life. I didn't have those boundaries because I didn't have charge of my life. It was my parents that told me what to do. It was other people that told me what to do. And I did not have a sense of choice of Uh, self-respect. So I certainly couldn't have a boundary. And, you know, I have to say that I love the fact that we have all these wonderful traits that we can look at and we can delve into because as I have said in other meetings, are the traits for me, have, they were my friends that I had to uh, realize that uh, they, they weren't, they were no good influence on me anymore. Um, I had to give up and change though the traits that we have in ACA and say goodbye to them, put them to death, um, because I could see why they weren't working for me anymore. Um, the the character trait that we have of uh, isolation was good for me at a time in my life, because if I didn't move into isolation, I probably would have been beat. I would have been yelled at. I would have, you know, there's things that would have happened to me if I didn't disappear uh, in my room, you know, uh, not going home, those kind of things. But the boundaries is such a powerful treasure for me today. It is really a gem 
in my life. It has given me freedom to learn boundaries. Um, when I think about a boundary, I think about a physical space. If you and I were together physically, we would just naturally have this boundary of space between us. We wouldn't be nose to nose. There would be space between us. Uh, it, it's natural. I, I don't take out a, uh, a ruler and measure that space. It just naturally seems to be there. I'm not smelling your breath. I'm not spitting in your face. I'm not, you know, I, I've, we're, we're far enough away from each other that I don't have that. Um, it's emotionally like that for me as well. When I have boundaries with someone, it's a comfortable space between us. Uh, and I want to talk about two types. I want to talk about physical boundary and I want to talk about emotional boundary. And so I'm going to hold off and talk about the emotional boundary after I talk about the physical. So the physical space is something that the boundaries I see all around me, it warrants, a boundary warrants knowledge of how far I can go. It's in my, in our world, we have lines at the intersections. That's a boundary. If I go any further, I might be too far out in the middle of that intersection and get hit by an oncoming car. There's lines in the traffic, uh, parallel lines, and ongoing traffic and outgoing traffic, you know, and um, those are very good for me. I, I don't like to drive down a street where I don't have those lines. I am thankful for them. I even have a car that, as many of you probably do as well, that have the, um, the beeping mechanism that you can put on that, whatever that's called, the uh, beeping uh, so that if you cross over the, the line, then it will beep. And so you know, oh, I've gone over that line and I've got to pull back. So um, I have that in my car. So it's a stay in, stay in my lane kind of reminder. My friends in Al-Anon, they would, they would say, we teach people how to treat us. And, you know, I think that that's really, really true. That has helped me in my life very much. How I, am, how I am spoken to and how I am treated is something that I have come to recognize that I do teach people that. If somebody is um, talking a little bit too loud and we are in this conversation, I have a gentle boundary. I can say, hey, I, I just said this to my husband who is starting to lose a little hearing. And so he's talking louder. And so I just said, hon, you, you, do you realize that you are, you're really talking loud? And he said, Ellie, I think you just talk too soft. <laughs> I said, no, you are talking a little too loud. And, you know, my boundary, it was so good. I could just say that to him, like, hon, it's, it's kind of hurting my ears, you know, and um, then he can pull back. So what did I do in that case? I treated my, I'm teaching my husband, you don't have to be so loud that that volume is, is too loud. It may not sound it to you, but it is too loud for me. Um, had I, and I know it's a very simple thing, but if my husband would continue to talk at that volume and he's not yelling, as I say, he's starting to just have a little uh, hearing deficit, um, what would happen to me? I would feel frustrated if I didn't say anything and I, I would not hear him as well. I would be distracted by the sound of the volume that he's speaking to me at and not uh, hearing what his heart was saying. So that's a way that I 
treat I treat others how to how to teach me. Um, when my boys were little, I taught them to open doors. Um, some of you may feel that's that you did the same thing. But for me, my value, I wanted my boys to be gentlemen. And so I taught them to open doors for the people coming in behind behind them or as they were approaching the doors. Um, that that was a, a kind of a a boundary that they did just like, no, nope, let me get that for you. And it, it was good. Uh, my boys have come back and thanked me for that. Asking permission to open, to uh, enter a room. So I taught school for several years. So I always appreciated it when that um, fellow, fellow colleague would see me with the, my door shut. I'm working on some stuff before my, my students would walk in the room and I'm getting that done. And um, if they would knock on the door and not just barge in, I always appreciated that. You know, I appreciate it when somebody rings my doorbell before they walk in my house. <laughs> you know, I, I would not want somebody just to walk in my house unless they were my children. Um, and so, again, that boundary, a boundary also when somebody says to me, Ellie, can I give you a little feedback on that? You know, you were just sharing about that X, Y, Z, that thing. Would you like a little, would you mind if I gave you a little feedback on that? To me, that's respecting of a boundary. Uh, if a conversation is meant to be held off, that's a boundary. Sometimes I want to talk to somebody about something and I have learned to say the simple little question, hey, is this a good time to talk right now? And um, because I, I feel like whatever I have to say, of course, is so very important, right? I mean, of course it is. No, not always. Um but in that moment, I want to talk about it. And so um, the times that I have just blurted out and started talking, honestly, I did not receive, it wasn't a good situation. I didn't, the, the conversation wasn't as good. Uh, the person was irritated because I didn't wait or ask. And so I have learned more to do that. That's all part of boundaries to me. Asking if I can if I can come over instead of just showing up uh, to me that's a boundary, uh, and this is for you know that's for me. I, I don't feel comfortable just showing up at somebody's door. Um, I'd rather call them and say, "Hey, you do you have a little time? Can I come on over?" Not interrupting. That's another thing that is uh, is um, being respectful of a boundary, and some of these some I might categorize as just polite behavior. But truly, I do feel like they're more boundaries. A boundary may not be fluid. It may change. It doesn't have to always stay that way. I'll give you an example of that too. When, when um, we were raising our, our children, my mother-in-law um, really had no clue about boundaries. She was um, a very impatient woman uh, and just felt like her way is the best way, her way or the highway. Um, she just would come kind of come over with both guns ablazing kind of thing. And um, I recognized very early in my marriage to my husband that I, I was feeling unsafe. I was feeling nervous. Um, when she would be coming over, I would start to feel very agitated at times. Um, and I had to do a, a, a 
when I did my fourth step many years ago, the first time um, in ACA, I recognized that um, it was the things that my mother-in-law was doing that I didn't know how to handle. That was the, the nemesis. That was the problem. I had no control over what my mother-in-law was going to do, but I had total control over what I was going to do, but I didn't know what to do. When my mother-in-law, back in those days, there were no answering machines either. I am talking, you know, for 37, 38 years ago, we didn't have answering machines on our phones. They rang, you either got it or you didn't get it. Um, And she would call at the same time, about nine o'clock every morning. I had, um, I had taken a hiatus from teaching. I had just had our first child and I was home and, you know, only married less than two years. And um, I was trying to create my life. And she would call every morning. Those first mornings, I would answer the phone. And and then I got to realize that about nine o'clock, she would call. And so I came to the point that I didn't even answer the phone at that time. And I would tell my husband, hey, if you want to talk, call me back or ring and hang up and then call me again so I know it's you. It was kind of crazy, but I, I was trying so hard to set up set up some boundaries that were safe because I had tried to talk to her and say, mom, I can't talk to you right now. I'm, I'm with the baby right now. And she would just blow over that. She would not listen to that. It, she disregarded that. And again, I have learned through the years that when somebody crosses my boundary, something that I desire, something that is important to me, something that is going to uh, be of health to me, safety to me, Um, I have no control over what they do, but I do over what I have control over. I can take a look at that. And there have been times when I had to just hang up on my mother-in-law. I had to say, to set it up ahead of time. I'd say, mom, you know, I know that when you're calling, you want to talk to me, but if I answer the phone and it's and I, I hear it's you and it's not a good time, I'm sorry. But if I say to you, I can't talk right now, I'm going to need to hang up right away. And if I have five minutes, I'll tell you I have five minutes. And I had to get that anal with her and still but to no avail. It was working um, not for a long time. So I, I had to work through that because she wasn't changing. So I had to change. Um, I did a lot of talking with my sponsor back in those years too, um, with what are some other things that I could utilize. And that was very, very helpful. Again, the boundaries create safety. It's like having cages at the zoo. I love going to the zoo. I always love taking my children to the zoo. I appreciated the fact that I could get right up to the tigers, um, almost, you know, so close to those tigers, but so thankful that I knew that they had not only good gates up and fences up, but they also were electrical. And so a double, a double boundary, a double safety for me. And in my own life, I had to learn what kind of fences that I had to, uh, ha- had to erect. And fortunately, with my mother-in-law, as, as time moved on, she I, I could remove those fences. She kind of got it a lot more, but it took a long time. And I was very, very grateful for that. 
Um, you know, we have things like property lines, right? We have things we say are my chair. This is, and it doesn't have my name on it, but this is where I like to sit. So again, that boundary doesn't mean that it, it can't move, but it's my boundary. So let me move on to talk about some of these other aspects. So the emotional boundary. Um, for those of us in ACA, and I certainly can talk for myself. Um, unfortunately, you know, I have my, my woundedness of molestation growing up. I have my woundedness of self-harm. I have the woundedness of um, things that happened in my life that really caused me damage. And so those were two of the emotional pieces um, that, that just I carried with me as a like a backpack that was heavy on my back. And I had to recognize that there were many triggers that would happen in the course of my day that set me up for emotional uh, progress or were more of a deterrent in my life. I recognize that I really have a sensitivity to angry people. I am not one that I'm, I'm not a yeller. Um, uh, I was when my kids were younger at times, I, you know, um, you know, confession time, certainly I'm human also. I mean, there were times that I would just yell at, at the kids out of my stress, um, out of what I couldn't get in balance. And um, I worked through those things and, I came in a fourth step to recognize that it was my uh, emotional damage that was done to me that caused me the difficulty in being able to regulate my own emotions. And so I really worked hard on that through the years to have emotional regulation in my life. So I learned to do things for my own boundary, like go out and ride my bicycle, like to go take a walk, to call a friend, to listen to music, to go out in my garden, what was going to emotionally regulate me so I could have boundaries that were, that made sense to me, that felt comfortable. Um, what were those things in my fourth step that I had to look at that were harmful to me, that were boundary crossers from others that <coughs> I was continuing in my own life? Um, I had to take a look at what those were and um, ask my family. I'll tell you, that's one thing that really helped me a lot. If I, I recognize that the people that know me the best are those that live with me, my close friends, those in my inner circle, um, so some of my family members, my mom, my sister, my brother. And so I learned to get braver and just ask them, hey, how do you feel I am? Um, do I respect your boundaries? How do you see me? And um, if I, I recognize that if I was going to ask, I had to be able to accept what they said, knowing that they love me and more than likely they would give me truth. And then sometimes I found myself denying it, but then asking God to help me to take a look at it. Is this true about me or is this not? And if it was true about me, what was I going to do about it? Did I want to change? Is it causing a problem in my relationship? And if so, I wanted to change it. Uh, my 36-year-old son, um, about a year ago, he started to say to me, mom, boundaries, boundaries. I 
said, rich boundaries. What can you tell me about that? What does that mean to you? What, why are you saying that to me? And so we went into a conversation about how he felt that when um, I was calling him and I was excited about some things and he said, okay, mom, I'm going to have to go. And I said, could you take five more minutes? Well, you know, could you, or he'd come on over and I'd have this task. And then I would do, I'd say, oh, Rich, I wanted to know, could you do that and that too? And he felt that was really crossing a boundary. He came over to do X and I was asking him to do Y and Z as well. And so um, that was good information for me. And I, I thanked him for that because um, if I would not have changed that behavior, it would have impaired my relationship with my son. And I work really hard to have good relationships today. Um, when there is a lack of boundaries, it does cause vulnerability and hurt. And I don't want to have hurt in my relationships. Um, lack of boundaries gives me vulnerability. Vulnerability is good, but I do need to have a sense of um, not being vulnerable as well, depending on where I am. I sat in a meeting, uh, in a special ed meeting with my team, and I had a difficult um, social worker that was on my team, and I knew she was going to be difficult. And um, I, I had to kind of arm myself up before I went in emotionally. I talked about it to myself. I called my sponsor before I went into work that day. I prayed about it. I felt it may be a difficult meeting because we were uh, not going to agree. We were not agreeing on a, what should take place with this particular student that we both shared. And um, I was so thankful that I prepared myself because I did not feel as vulnerable going into that meeting, which actually turned out to be a pretty difficult meeting. But I was more equipped because of what I had done beforehand, the boundary I had set up in myself for preparedness. Um, <clears throat> how much time do I have, Dottie? I did not set my timer. Um, you can go to the top of the hour. So okay, I'm trying to match 20. 20 minutes, 24 minutes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. So um, what I have noticed that is my worth increases every time I feel I have success with boundaries. It feels really good to feel good about myself. Too many years, I did not feel very good about who I was. <clears throat> A lot of it had to do with the lack of boundaries that others had put on to me. Um, which made me feel less than, which made me feel small, which made me feel worthless. And I am thankful that um, the more that I have set the parameters in place in my life, the better I have felt about myself. And um, my boundaries, it's kind of funny because now that I am a retired school teacher, um, I will have, I tutor, I have a, a lot of students that I, I tutor, but uh, privately, but um, uh, I will have people call me now they know I've retired. And so they want to call some of my past colleagues and they want to pick my brain or they want to ask about this or that, or, you know, um, 
the neighbors who now that know that I'm off want to ask me to do this, or the friend that knows that I'm a gardener wants to know if I could come on over or, or another one that says, well, you've got the, all this time now, Ellie, can't, you know, can we have that get together once a week, you know? Uh, and I laughed at myself because I think, wow, some people, they don't even ask like, hey, what is your interest in getting to know me better now? Do you want to have more time? Do you have any time to talk to me on the phone? Do you want to look? What is your interest? There's just this assumption I had noticed that that now that I'm a, quote, retired teacher, that I have all like I have nothing else to do. I have nothing to do. And of course, that's not true. Um, I have put a lot on the shelf because I worked full time. Um, and I am doing things for myself that is in the parameters and boundaries of how I want to live my life today. And so um, I don't have to be a jerk about it and say, say how I'm feeling in a nasty way. Because again, relationships are the most important to me. And so I want to keep good relationships. That friend that wants to see me once a week, I don't want to see that friend once a week. She's not, I mean, honestly, I really don't see any of my friends once a week. And she's not that close of a friend that I would even want to see her that often. Um, but I will see her sometimes, not so often, but sometimes. Um, and I didn't want to be um, dishonest with her. And I didn't want to hurt her feelings. But I just had to gently let her know that I uh, I, you know, you may not so-and-so, you may not realize how much that I am looking forward to doing. You may not realize um, what I am doing in my life right now. And thank you. Uh, thank you that you'd like to get together more often. But uh, at this time, I just don't feel like that's really possible. I have some other priorities right now, but uh, we can get together um, when we get together. And so that that was a good way. And had I not set that boundary and, and let her know how I was feeling, what would happen? She would continue to call me. She would continue to ask. She would feel insulted that I haven't uh, text her back or called her back or, you know, we were going to get together us two couples, your husband, my husband and us. And how come we haven't done that? And um, she doesn't have any children at home. And I have two left at home still. And so she was being insensitive to um, the fact that I still have kids at home as well. Um, I found myself getting angry about it at first. But again, it was able to be released because I let her know what that boundary was. Um, I have to really look at my family of origin and remember that there, because there were no boundaries or lack of boundaries, every once in a while, when I have that struggle within me, sometimes for me, it's just um, saying to myself, okay, Al, you just recalibrate. This is like that little kid inside saying, okay, there's no boundaries. There's no boundaries. Yes. Yes. I have boundaries and we're going to, we have our boundaries. Um, I feel like the body always remembers. I am reading a wonderful book by Dan Allender um, called, um, oh my goodness. Oh, heart, heartache. Um, uh, 
Oh my goodness, I have to think of it. Hopefully it'll come to me. Uh, Redeeming Heartache, that's for the name of the book. Redeeming Heartache by Dan Allender. Highly recommend it. And um, he talks in there about working through our woundedness and how to do that. And um, that the body remembers our pain. And um, for me, when I'm feeling stressed, and I especially because of this cross of boundaries, and I have to reteach that to somebody or teach it to somebody or remember it myself. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, I get my stress right in my chest. And I have learned to take my hand and put it on a, like right, right by my breast bones there and just put my hand there and I feel the warmth of my hand. And I just say, you know what? It's going to be okay. Just take a minute. And it's kind of like me talking to my, my inner child there. And I feel like everything is just bam right there. And whatever that spot is in you, where you feel your stress. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say that for me, feeling the warmth of my hand on that, that uh, part of my body just has helped me to calm down. I have to say some wonderful slogans that we have in a program. We don't use them so much in ACA, but there's a wonderful saying, a slogan. Um, I learned it in AA, uh, I mean, in al not in AA, in al was how important is it? And I have learned that so many years ago to say that how important is it when somebody is doing something and they're crossing a boundary or or they're attempting to do something and I'm getting irritated I have to say to myself how important is it sometimes it's not that important and I have to just let it by let it go by that person in the checkout line that's getting too close or or gets to that gets to that job uh, to that cashier right before I do, or, you know, kind of butts in right before I do. Now that was crossing a boundary because I was, you know, I was like right there first. So I have a choice. I can act, I can act in a way that I'm not going to feel good about later and say something nasty, or I could say to myself, okay, L, they crossed the boundary, the one ahead of you is a person. Is it that big of a deal? You know, Maybe they're rushing because their sick mom is in the hospital. Who knows? So I have learned to be gentle with others because I have learned to be gentle with myself and understand more of myself. Talking to others about my behavior is very essential to my sponsor, listening to my inside voice, asking God talking to others. These are all really important ways that I am checking in with others. When I am feeling myself to be out of control, uh, starting to rev up, kind of like pressing the gas pedal down on the car so it starts to go. When I am feeling myself starting to rev up, I am so much better today. I'm so happy to tell you this, that I am so much better at catching myself. Uh, before I cross the speed limits, uh, sort of speak. Um, I have learned to become more in tune with what my body is saying to me. Um, that has been very significant for me, very significant. A couple more things about boundaries. Um, I don't know of how many of you use this book called Strengthening My Recovery. 
but it is wonderful. I love it. I highly recommend it. If you don't have it, it's put out by, by uh, world service, um, ACA world service. And in the bound, they have, you know, the, they'll tell you what topic you, whatever topic you want, you can look it up. Well, they have a topic in here called boundaries and there's a line in this book. It's on page 182. And it says, even if we had understood the concept of boundaries, we would not have been able to set them up for ourselves in the midst of our dysfunction. Yet on some level, we often instinctively knew that our boundaries were being violated, whether it was emotional or whether it was physical. We did not know how boundaries worked. And we had to recognize that there were underlying issues and work to release the hold that they have over us. Our boundaries then will become strengthened and we will let go and offer other people the opportunity to find their own way without our help. And I love that, you guys, because there are always those underlying issues. A boundary being crossed or desired to be had, there's always a reason why. Why do I, Why does that bother me that that boundary is crossed? Or why do I need that boundary in place? There's always an underlying issues. And for me, there has been a lot of power in looking at what is the issue? What is it about about it that's causing me, if my boundary is crossed, for example, what is it that is causing me to react to it? Because in my life, I want to re respond. I do not want to react in my life. Reacting to me is not a good thing. Reacting is when I'm not thinking and I'm going on animal instinct, uh, kind of, you know, quote unquote, it's just happening. I'm not thinking about it. So um, I want to look at that underlying issue. And it says um, at the bottom of that page, it says, we learn to separate what's really important and what's not in order to survive as healthy adults. And I would like to challenge you to think about the word survive. For me, I don't want to just survive. I want to live fully, deeply, and with great breath and energy and passion, this life that I have. However long I have left on this earth, um, I want to live it well. And it's never too late to start, never too late to start. Um, so in, it says we learn to separate what's really important and what's not in order to survive as healthy adults. And I want to be healthy. I want to be passionate and I am, and I want to be healthy. And, and finally, what I'd like to say is the better boundaries that I set, the more manageable my life is. And I could, if I had time, which I don't, but if I had time, I could go, I could go running through the, the 12 steps and point out where boundaries uh, are, are accented 
um, the success of the steps is is accented with with focus to boundaries um, through all the steps. And when I'm having trouble with boundaries, I'm definitely at step one. Um, my life is unmanageable and causing great havoc when I don't have the balance of my life. And the balance does have its foundation in having good boundaries. Um, it just feels good, you guys. It just is good. Um, finally, I just wanted to say that um, it is progress, not perfection. And I, I say that at so many meetings I speak at, life is, this program is about progress. It's not perfection. I will never achieve perfection in this program. Never. I will never have it. But what I do have is a, a, an opportunity every day to have life be different, to have it to strengthen that that uh, success I had the day before, to build that relationship, to strengthen a friendship, to risk something that I haven't done, to be authentic every day, um, to be vulnerable when it's time to be vulnerable, all those things. And so I just want to thank you for this time. I really appreciate uh, you and uh, really appreciate ACA. My life is so much better because of this program. Thank you, everybody.